This is professional wrestling legend, downtown Bruno, who is privileged enough to be on the Oversell Podcast. It is episode 43, and we are talking WWE Fastlane and have a great interview with Mark Bravura, the Memphis mofo. Get ready. This is the Oversell Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Oversell Podcast. My name is Derek. I'm Dan. I'm Mike. And we are here to talk a little professional wrestling. Be sure you are following us on Twitter. We are at Oversell Podcast, Facebook.com slash Oversell Podcast. You can follow me at Shropenuts, S-C-H-R-O-E-P-N-U-T-S. At One Dangerous Dan on Twitter and on Facebook, Dangerous Dan Matthews. At WolfMike23. Also, be sure to head over to OversellPodcast.com and check out the Amazon link right underneath the main player. Amazon is our sponsor for this podcast. And the way it works is you click the link, you shop on Amazon like you normally do, and there's no hidden fees, there's no extra fees, there's nothing like that. It's just we get a small commission on any sale that's made through that link. It's easy. Just shop on Amazon and you're helping this podcast. Just be sure you do click the link at OversellPodcast.com. Dot com. Also, I wanted to give a special shout out to the guy. Whenever we have interviews come up, um, he takes time out of his day. I can't pay him because I'm poor and I run a podcast. Aren't but we all? Uh, at Crunkbuck 4D1, Buck is spelled B U C. At Crunkbuck 4D1. Go follow him on Twitter. George is fantastic. He loves wrestling. Um, he is great at making these logos for us and. He's just an overall good dude. We like George. Producer George. Producer George. Producer George. So this uh, <laughs> Sunday. He said that like he just died or stereo. something. <laughs> the, this Sunday, there is a lot of wrestling going on. Um, MEW has got their Lucha Libre event going on out there off Ridgeway Road. Um, it is a really exciting card that is... Uh, now, is this Saturday or is this fr- their normal Friday? No, this is a Sunday. It's on a Sunday. Sunday. Time. Yeah. Uh, doors open at 4, and the show bell time is at 5. Uh, some of the matches on the card, man, <laughs> this card is stacked. Mm-hmm. Chris Lex taking on Brandon Espinoza nice. for the MEW Heavyweight Championship. Uh, Damone Salavino is taking on Del Tucker. Hell yeah, I love that dude. Oh, Del Tucker is awesome. <laughs> uh, he is taking on, and that's for the uh, TV title uh, out there in MEW. Uh, full Deck will be taking on DNA, Derek King, and Alan Steele, which that entrance, Dan, you really. Oh, I, I, I don't need to see it. I can picture it in my <laughs> head, and I laugh every time I do. Uh, also. <laughs> It's been confirmed this past week. There's a debut. The debut at MEW of the power couple. Dustin Five Star and Maria Star will be making their MEW debuts, and this is going to be huge, folks. Something big is going to happen. I I just have that feeling. Some other matches. There's going to be a triple threat match. Darius Tattoo Lee versus Hijol... Del Espectro Jr. 
Mm-hmm. I just, I'm pretty what sure. What you said. <laughs> and Barbaro Cavanario. Just that's gonna. I'm sure that's gonna be a high flying, lucha libre affair. Uh, women's tag match. We've got Haley Shadows and Maria James versus Diana Taylor and Jade Haven. And Jade Haven, very green, but she's got a lot of potential. Uh, also, Atlantis versus Otimo Guerrero. Hmm. And it, it's it, this card is just. Building up to be a very stacked card. I cannot wait to get out there and see it. My boy Chris Lex and Espinoza are going to have a fantastic match because since I've been at MEW, I haven't seen Espinoza in a bad match. That guy can work. Dan, you know. I'm sure you've worked with him, against him, over him, under him. Um, I Let me think. I want to say I wrestled... I didn't wrestle. I don't think I wrestled against Espinosa. Really? I, I think okay. I wrestled as Espinosa's tag partner one time. Maybe in maybe in uh, Ripley. Okay. Okay. Um, Ripley. Yeah, I've heard of that place. Pos- yeah. Possibly though. Um, There's never been wrestling out at Ripley. No, of course not. It was a one-time <laughs> thing. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, now, um, Espinosa. Yeah. Um, Lex, I've worked. Yeah. Of course, you know. Um, and Damone Salvino. Demone, I've worked, yeah. Del Demone, Tucker. I helped. Tra- I helped start train Demone. Right. So um, and Del Tucker, I mean, Del Tucker, I've worked, yeah. The, uh, it's just this card is just to me. This is a stacked card for local wrestling. Yeah, they called I, me. They asked me, "Who did you work?" And I said, uh, "All these guys. Put them on a card." And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then the week, the week after that, the twenty eighth at Minglewood Hall in Midtown. You've got Memphis Wildfire Wrestling. This is two big week. I mean, mm-hmm. th- this month, this, this past thirty days for Memphis wrestling had just been huge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, SmackDown was here, NXT was here, Wildfire's coming, MEW's coming. It's just a crazy week of or a crazy month of past month of wrestling has been awesome. Mm-hmm. So get out there if you're in the Memphis area. Get out there and let's support Memphis wrestling, local wrestling, because man, these guys. They don't get the big checks like the WWE, and they need as much help as they can get. Get out there, watch the shows. I promise you, if you go to an MEW event, you're going to walk away entertained. Yeah, it, you will. And if you go Wildfire, we're going to get to see R&D. We're going to get to see Red Rum and what's uh, Bloody Mary. Red yeah. Rick, Red Rum, and Red Bloody Rick, Mary. And uh, I'm sure Precious is going to be there. Mm-hmm. You're going to see uh, what's Wildfire, so I'm sure Brian You'll more than likely gonna, see Lawler. You'll see Lawler. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean... Uh, it's going to be a huge show. It's down there at Minglewood Hall. Let's fill it up out here in Memphis like we did for NXT, and let's just be a hot crowd. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I still have not gotten to see R&D wrestle, and I just I want to see it. I got to see this guy wrestle. Yeah. I know he can cut a vicious promo. Oh, yeah, I've seen yeah. that. Well, I have, no, wait. I take that back. I saw him at Roundhouse Revival. He had mm-hmm. a great match, had a great promo, got a lot of heat on his promo, and then Lawler came in and actually brought heat on himself, which there's one thing I want to get to with Jerry Lawler. If you say someone should die because they just let you know who they were voting for, <laughs> you're a, you're an asshole. I to be honest, I don't think wrestlers should claim political affiliations whatsoever. Well, you know, it's, because that I'll tell you right now, that'll affect ratings on a show. That yeah, I, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That'll affect ratings on a show. And I think I think Jerry laments doing it. Right. <laughs> Well, because of the direct reaction and response that he received, like almost immediately, yeah, he said he was never going to do it again. Yeah. Um. So, but 
that doesn't change the fact that you're an asshole. If you but say, two, if you say what what they say, like I wish you would have died that time you had the heart attack on Raw. Like, come on, yeah, yeah, <laughs> Jesus. Now you and you and I were at the Roundhouse Revival, and what did he do? Yeah, he, he said, plugged Wharton. Yep, you know. So I mean, that, you know, that got more booze than, and that got more booze than R and D's promo. <laughs> <laughs> well, regardless, that's his. You know, the way he's going to vote is the way he's going to vote, and I'm not. You know, get out there and vote. I don't care who you vote for. Yeah, get out there and use your vote. But and also, if someone doesn't have the same vote as you, don't wish they had died. Yeah. That's my point. I'm trying to make. Yeah. I'm done with it. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to claim any political affiliation no, not, whatsoever. I, I keep that. I know. don't. I'll be honest. I haven't liked anybody enough yeah, to well, vote for them. Not, in the, well, I mean, like, uh, let yeah. me just say this. Okay. I haven't liked anybody's political affiliation, anybody in any party, for the last three elections yeah. to vote for them. I have not liked anybody that has been presented on both sides of the campaign trail. You know who should run for president that would get my vote? Who's that? Mike Sanders. Which Mike Sanders are we the, talking the about? The natural born thrillers, Mike Sanders. Oh, okay. The performer, that professional Mike wrestler, Mike Sanders. Gotcha. Okay. He should run for president. Mike Sanders for president. I'm going to start it on Twitter. Mike, Mike Sanders, Sanders for president. president. <laughs> Mike Sanders for president. Mike Sanders for president. All right. Well, let's, Mike let's, Sanders let's change. For president. Now we can change gears because I got yeah, that out of the you know because I I I, do, I just don't yeah, I, yeah well. I can't vote for any of these people because I don't yeah, trust them yeah, you know. This well, so, I I don't know who I'm gonna vote for. I so. don't. I'm gonna. I'll look it up then. But yeah, let's talk about the big show going on this Sunday on the WWE Network. Because if you watch, if you pay sixty bucks for it, when you can pay ten, uh, yeah. <laughs> George said in the chat room said, "Not Victor of the Ascension." Not Victor of the Ascension. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I doubt he's old enough. He's he's too busy getting swerved every other episode in order to run for president. Mm-hmm. At the same bar, it you looks like, too. Let me it's ask same you this. If you could, let, let, I'll ask you guys this. Like, If you could pick a pro wrestler and run for president, I took Mike Sanders. Who would you guys pick? Bob Backlund. <laughs> <laughs> I like that's a good <laughs> one. I, I don't think I'd trust Bob Backlund with some nukes. I did, well, hey. <laughs> Mike? Vince. Vince McMahon. Yeah, uh, I just don't. The power strut wouldn't work walking through the White House. Oh, that's the only reason I want him to be there. <laughs> I, Vince McMahon, just mm-hmm. solemnly swear. <laughs> I mean, every time he comes out to like address the nation, they play his theme music. George yeah. in the ch- George in the chat room says Sandow. <laughs> that would be awesome. That would too. that'd be that. Hey man, <laughs> there's a lot of unwashed masses out there that need intellectual saving, and yeah. he'd be the perfect guy to that do or it. Or Paul Heyman. Yeah, Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman. Yeah. All right, uh, Fast Lane is this Sunday, as I said earlier. Allegedly, allegedly, um, you know, there's some interesting swear that that Kevin Owens winning the Intercontinental Title back, I think, is a major swerve for this pay per view. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see what Dean Ambrose does now in that match for the IC or in the uh, see, like, what number one's contenders match. You would think that. This impacts the Ambrose, you know, triple threat match. Right. I'm almost of the mindset that they just did it so they could have another match on the card. Well, they could have an actual a title match on right. the card as well. Because you're tying up that title, you right. know, in the triple and threat. The, and this week's Raw was all right. Uh, finishing the show with that big show, Ryberg coming out. Uh, that they could have done that in the mid card, like who cares? Well, I think 
I think they were going up against the Grammys rating wise, so they really weren't worried about putting on a go good show. Yeah, you know. Um, well, I I would I still would watch wrestling or the Grammys anyway. Yeah, I actually um, would too. <laughs> so, uh, did you guys get to watch Big Show on the Stone Cold? I, I've seen a little bit of no, it. I haven't that, watched it yet. No. It is that was a Big Show is such a charismatic dude, and it, it was a great interview, and it's good to see him get emotional when he got he saw a picture of his father. And, you know, he kind of broke down. And he, you could hear him choking up a little bit. And mm-hmm. Big Show has always been a very – he's been very charismatic. You know, they say backstage he has so much personality. Mm-hmm. You know, he has a great sense of humor. I remember when he was um, – I think it was season two of Tough Enough. He came on and was working with the trainees. And as a gift, they brought him uh, – bought him one of those gigantic toolboxes. And they had the – of course, they had the smallest chick – that was on tough enough carrying it out and she's like barely <laughs> able to carry it and he picks it up and it's like a damn lunchbox for him like <laughs> oh. and he did the tim allen laugh and you know it goes back to the when he was doing those different characters like shonan the warrior or who was some of the other ones that he would do Shokishi. Shokishi. yeah <laughs> and you know. uh show mania he did hulk hogan at right. one point yeah, yeah. yeah. It, but it was a great interview you got to hear just the stuff from his childhood and how hard it was him growing up with his condition. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they said that one of the things I remember him them saying was, uh, you know, he was when he was in eighth grade, he was probably cl- over six feet tall or something like that, and he would be playing football with the neighborhood kids, and the parents would go get their kids because they thought there was some crazy child molester out there playing, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it was a kid their own age. It was just he was twice their size yeah, yeah and but it really great interview i highly recommend it it was a just a great it's great when you see those interviews and it's just guys two guys just talking yeah, yeah. I, I love those kind of that's why i like jr's podcast i think the looks. i think the clip that i saw was him talking about um you know the uh, please retire chance and stuff like that um, right you know and then, and then you know they were talking about um him coming out and quote unquote burying guys you know and he goes he goes, I've won eight matches in the last year. Who the hell am I burying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but it it it's it's funny, you know. Uh, I like Stone Cold podcasts, you know. Uh, yeah, you I know, like he it. he walks he walks a thin line, you know. Right, and, you know. I think Vince gets pissed sometimes at him for I, asking certain questions, but you know, my favorite podcast I get to listen to weekly. Is, I'll, I cannot wait to get to Jim Ross's because I love the way he interviews. Mm-hmm. I love the interviews he gets. He gets a you know he he balances it well. He gets like the older guys, like the two part interview with Kevin Sullivan. If you haven't listened to that, mm-hmm. great interview. But let's get back to Raw. Okay. Um, trying to think some other notes uh, that I had from it. Of course, I lost where I wrote them down. Um, Charlotte had a good good promo, I thought, mm-hmm. over Brie Bella. Um, and it's looking like uh, Brie is retiring this summer. Yeah, possibly maybe sooner, maybe sooner than that. Yeah, could this be the last I mean, hurrah for Brie Bella? There's rumors that you know this Sunday could be her last night. Yep. Um, I think she's just ready to go home and make a family with Daniel Bryan, really. Yeah, yeah. Dan, I did, and you weren't here last week. Um, Dustin took your spot. Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed quick, last week's show, actually. Well, I've you. listened thank to you. it, you uh, know, and I, I, I've got to totally appreciate Dustin for, you know, taking my spot and uh, talking health and fitness a lot, too, you know, on yeah. the show and everything and, you know, just 
Well, let me get your thoughts. I on, enjoyed it. <laughs> uh, quick thoughts on Daniel Bryan. Um, you know, you it, it's it's and I've touched on this before. It's a personal choice to go out there and put your body on the line. You know, and it was Daniel's personal choice um, to put his body on the line and hide the fact that he was having seizures. You know, and I I don't know how he did it. Yeah. To be honest for so long and hid the fact that, you know, he was having seizures and whatnot because of the concussions, you know. And all the stuff that he went through to get cleared by the different doctors and stuff like that. And he was trying his best to get back into it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when the doctor spots something, they're not going to let you. Well, they said he hasn't had a seizure since his match with Seamus. Mm -hmm. He has not had one since then. Right. Mm -hmm. So... I just wanted to get your quick thoughts. Like, yeah, it's it's sad. It's sad, you know. I mean, he's thirty four, right? You know, That's a, and he's been wrestling he's my for age. sixteen yeah. years. Wow. You know, it's yeah. pretty much all he's done is adult life. Okay, thoughts on Titus O'Neil? Um, I uh, he was made an example. Okay, he was made an example, and you know, you know, it's funny they made example when um, if you go back and hear some stories about ribbing, like Kurt Angle. Not Kurt Angle, Kurt Hennig, dropping turds in people's wrestling bags. And yeah, but they all—they've lost people because of stuff like that. You know, um, there's been several people that came back through during that era. You know, uh, women especially um, that came through during that era um, that got pushed out because or they were bullied. You know, yeah. pretty much bullied and everything. And you know, it—it it comes back to that old school mentality. Mm-hmm. of pro wrestling you know you're either a part of the brotherhood or you're not mm-hmm. you know and if you can take a prank in stride you know you stay a part of the brotherhood if you think a uh, prank is personal and you just don't want anything to do with it and it's not a joke it's not funny or whatever then you're the enemy and you're not part of the brotherhood and that's what that's the old school mentality you know um really that's really all there is to it. Um, okay. Now, the thing with Titus, I honestly don't know. I I I, I want to say there's more to this than what we're seeing. I really do. They lightened the suspension to sixty days, right? Because I think they got so they got too many people's attention that they didn't want. You know, mm-hmm. um, I still think that's too much. Though. It is I too much. Too. It too. is too much. Um, I mean, they. Titus, Titus is basically saying now that he was trying to pull Vince back because he was trying to say, hey, ladies first and let right. Stephanie exit stage first, you know. And whether that's the truth or not, whatever, you know. But you, know, you were out in front of cameras. You were out in front of a crowd. Right then wasn't the time to do yeah. that. Well, so, you uh, know, and it, and it, you know, it's happened. Little stuff like that has happened before. I can't really bring anything to mind immediately of stuff that's happened before um, out in front of a crowd or whatever. But, you know, stuff like this, you know, they try to, you know, people try to break that fourth wall down without permission mm-hmm. is what it amounts to, you know. Uh, and Titus is a freaking charity machine, man. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. a freaking charity. Which he's still going to be doing that stuff for him. Uh, he's still Valentine's, going at it, yeah. Valentine's Day, uh, him and his sons went out to a nursing home and passed out gifts. You know, so I mean, I mean, he's a freaking charity machine, even when he's on suspension. 
So, I mean, he's he's. I don't think it's to the point where we won't ever see him again. I really don't. You know, um, dude's a freaking animal yep. in the ring, um, and just a freaking hoss. And the, when I did my stint as a rosebud and came out there dressed <laughs> as a penguin, there were a bunch of people behind me, and Titus O'Neil was. Titus O'Neil and Heath Slater were the two opponents that night for when I was a rosebud and went out with uh, the Bunny and right. Adam Rose. And I remember being in the back, and we were all lined up to go out and before them or after them. They went out first, and then we came after them. And, you know, we did the huge Adam rosebud party thing and every, everything. But before we went out, I remember specifically – um, there was like three or four of the rosebuds that were dressed up as food, and Titus was, you know, he was getting he he was flipped the switch and he was in character, and all of a sudden he just goes, "I'm gonna have me some French fries," <laughs> you know, and he's looking at the guy dressed as French fries, and the guy's just kind of like, "Oh shit," <laughs> <laughs> and I'm over there laughing my ass off because I know exactly what he's doing. Right. He's intimidating the hell out of these guys, you know. And I, I'm, I think it's hilarious, you know, but, you know, Damn. if people aren't in the business and they don't know, you know, they don't know any better. They don't know it's, and, you know, it's a playful attitude backstage, but when you right. get in front of the camera, it's all business. And unfortunately, Titus crossed the line, you know, and hey, they're just making an example is all it is. They're, I think this know. is almost a blessing in disguise for him, though. Yeah, he's going to he get comes so much. Back, he's going to have such a pop. Yeah. Pop's going to be huge. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, some other the big thing on Raw was uh, to me was Kevin Owens winning the Intercontinental Title. Oh I'm, yeah, I'm like, so excited that he won it. Seeing a title change on Raw, just that, yeah, was awesome. It's a and rare yeah, thing. They, it's a rarity, and they need to do it more often. Yeah, you know, they did, <laughs> don't they, do it WCW like. No, <laughs> hell no. Well, you know, <laughs> not weekly. Hell yeah, no. <laughs> I, I've been, you know, everyone knows I hate the three hour Raw format. But here's what I think they should do. So, Raw go back to two hours. And then instead of having some of these Sunday Night Raws, just do a three-hour Raw that month. Instead. Okay. Instead. You know, have a special three-hour Raw so that way you can promote it. Cause <laughs> That's what they do now. I mean, I, just I don't... name it something. I don't... Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't have... It's hard to watch. I don't, I don't get, have Hulu... I have to watch if I want to watch Raw. I have to watch Raw. I watch Raw live every week, and getting to that third hour, it's like holy shit. That's why I have it on DVR. Well, I mean, I I don't have any other shows on Monday night, so it's just wrestling, <laughs> and I have to watch it. It's, it's it, by now it's ingrained in my personality. Monday nights I have to watch starts starting at seven. I have to watch wrestling. Most of the time, I don't watch Raw until like the night before we do the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> Well, we like I said, we got fast lane going up this week. Mike's got the card. Let's go through and yeah, let's, let's talk about it. it a little bit. All right. Well, we'll start with the Intercontinental Championship. Kevin Owens, Dolph Ziggler. Yeah. See, everybody's excited about this pay per view. You know, and it sucks that like I remember when Dolph Ziggler was like supposed to be the next big thing. That damn Nintendo Wii U. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's chirping at you. Um, it's it, excited for the match. Yeah. It, <laughs> it just sucks that it Dolph Ziggler is that he's he's getting stale, I think. His character is stale. You know, he that whole Lana Rusev Summer Ray thing, I think, did a lot of harm to him, especially when 
the news came out that Lana was getting engaged, right, and, yeah. and it just left him in a rut. But he needs he needs something to happen to give him a change of character. I think uh, this. I don't even think he needs that. I think just need WWE to get behind him again. Yeah, I mean, because he was one that they were worried. You know, didn't he have a couple concussions or something? And right. they're worried to put a title on him for an extended period of time because they think he's just going to be put on the shelf again. Hmm. But I don't think it's anything that he's doing wrong. I think I think his character stale. They're I just, just think focusing on other people now. He's he's the guy to get other guys over right now. That yeah. that's what they're using him for. Yeah. Well, guess what? For this match, he's going to get another guy over, and Kevin Owens is winning. He's but, not losing the IC title. No, probably not. No, not that's that quick. My, that's my prediction, my official prediction, Kevin Owens. I think that's everybody's official prediction. Yeah, Kevin Good. Owens. I think Ziggler would even tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> Next match. He knows What's the pre-show? Did that uh, Del Rio guy. The Del <laughs> I think. Well, who's Del Rio facing? <laughs> Kalisto again. Oh, two okay. two out of three falls. Why oh, would they two put out that three on the falls on the pre-show? Yeah. <sighs> Okay, George in the chat room says Ziggler needs to be off TV for a while and then pop back up. That w- I think that'd be good. He needs to maybe take some time off. You know, look, <laughs> if they re- take him off TV now, you'll never see him again. You'll oh, never see him again. Is no. right because he'll send quit. Him, send him yeah. back down to NXT then. Let him work with some of those I mean, guys. He, he, he uh, there was an interview uh, back a few months ago, I think, where he was talking about leaving then. Yeah. You know, he was talking about like maybe he had a year, maybe a t- two years left, and he was done. Yeah. You know, and well, we'll talk about that in a little bit. I was I was going to bring up Wade Barrett because he's he just he's going said to. he's not yeah. re-upping either. So. Uh, yeah. so I'm uh, for that match. I think Kalisto will win and keep the U.S. title. Yeah, because I think they've completely the, ruined the whole League of Nations thing. Yeah, and they're not gonna they're not gonna have a title change on the pre-show. This doesn't make sense to me. It, it, to yeah, me, you it never know. Yeah, I, whatever. Kalisto, I take Kalisto to win. How about you guys? Yeah, I think Kalisto's going to. Yeah, like Kalisto. I said, because the League of Nations has completely failed. Yeah, they were going to be this strong, Social. strong, you know, faction. Well, wait, you know what you have to do to do that? You have to put some titles on them. <laughs> they have to come out there and kick a lot of ass. Yeah, <laughs> you can't if you want to have these big stables. You can't do even Stevens booking. <laughs> they you have to book them as winners, and they and. If they don't win, it's by luck, and that poor guy that got the sneaky roll-up or something is going to get his ass beat for about five minutes. Mm-hmm. At least that's how I would book it. And they should have named him the Ford and Legion, like I said. Yeah. They would have got way more over. Yeah. It would have worked. Pro- you know what, Mike? Pro- quite possibly. See, I know. Quite the Foreign Legion of Doom? <laughs> that's what it could have been. <laughs> Come out like shoulder pads and spikes. Uh, oh, Lord. <laughs> Next match. I will go with the. <laughs> let's see, what are we gonna go with? Ryback, Big Show, and Kane versus the Wyatt family. Wyatt family. Yeah, the it's got to be. And, 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 and Bray isn't in the match. He's just you know. Yeah. Outside. But the Wyatt family is still gonna destroy him. Yeah, yeah I think because so. they're building up Braun Strowman. And yeah. and uh, wh- what do you guys think of this whole <laughs> Ryback changing his gimmick or his uh, gear thing? His gear. Eh, you gotta keep. I mean, it. if you don't want him to look like Goldberg, don't make him or don't <laughs> want Goldberg chance. Don't make him look exactly like Goldberg. Yeah, if, if he wants to change it, it's up to him and creative or whatever. You know, you know. Well, the fact my, my opinion that is, it got you talking about him, didn't it? Yep. Yeah. For all, <laughs> for, for all the wrong reasons, though. I yeah, mean, but you know, you're still talking about it. Okay. I mean, it's yeah. Uh, I why it's I, they're building up Strowman. Luke Luke Harper is a damn workhorse. Yep. 
George in the chat room says Goldberg match at Mania. I hope not. A Goldberg Ryback match would be unwatchable. <laughs> that 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 may be worse than Brock and Goldberg. Because that well, match that was wasn't, a shit fest. And that wasn't bad. Brock and Goldberg wasn't bad. It was just that everybody knew they were leaving, so they didn't even give them a chance. Yeah, the, <laughs> the, the fans interfered in that Yeah, match. the fans. <laughs> well, it still was The dookie. fans interfered in that match, and they never even set foot in the ring. Exactly. <laughs> it was still dookie to me. Next match. Oh, wait, who are you guys taking? I'm taking a Wyatt's. Oh, Wyatt's. Wyatt's. Okay. You got to. If they don't, I'm giving up on WWE. Okay. Hey, there's other things to watch, like Lucha, Lucha Underground. I'm trying to get you into Lucha yeah. Underground. Uh, Pentagon Jr. Uh, Prince, Prince Puma. Puma uh, See, I know. Where have you been watching? But, yeah. <laughs> stuttering. I had that <laughs> stuttering problem. But Prince Puma and Pentagon Jr. had an awesome match on this week's show. Mm-hmm. Joey Ryan made his debut. Uh, Eva Lise and and Helico and Son of Havoc had a great match. Yeah, I really like Eva Lise. Yeah. yeah, she's a good. She's she had a great match with Mil Muertes. Yeah, so I actually saw that one. Next match on the card: uh, Becky Lynch and Sasha versus Naomi and Tamina. Man, just now this is a match. Uh, this is a match that may actually be kind of hard to call, just because we know how the WWE really doesn't give a shit about its divas division. And Tamina hasn't won in like nine years, or right? Something. I mean, you know, you, they they could put the swerve and Tamina and um, Naomi get the sneaky heel win. I'm actually, I think I'm going to pick Tamina and Naomi. Uh, you know, Becky. It could be maybe they do the whole Becky and Sasha don't trust each other and they end up screwing each other over from lack of trust or something like that. But I think, and I'm sorry, George, in the chat room. <laughs> sorry, producer George. I'm t- I'm picking. Sasha to lose at that match. Two of his favorites, Sasha and Becky. I think Becky and Sasha have this easy That's because what I think it ends at this pay-per-view. This is just a short little feud, and then this is going to build somebody else for WrestleMania. George yeah. says, don't yeah. go against Team Bay. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Jordan. Yeah, uh, I think I think Sasha is going to get pushed for uh, WrestleMania. I really do. Um, I hope so. She's going to be pushed into that. And, uh I think I think we'll we'll be seeing the last of Bree shortly. Yeah, know, yeah, that's Bree will lose this match, and you know, hopefully, and she'll lose in a uh, <coughs> convincing. And we'll fashion. go we'll go ahead and go into that match. Then. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah Bree's gonna Bree. Bree's gonna lose that one. You know, they get they need to they're gonna push Charlotte into the uh, uh, Divas title match for WrestleMania. Okay, I'm gonna go into fantasy mode here, and this is what I want to happen. Mm-hmm. I want Bree to win. Mm-hmm. Then Monday on Raw. Has a little celebration, yeah. announces that she's retiring. She's okay. out. That sets up some big battle royal for WrestleMania. That's when Sasha gets her WrestleMania moment. Yeah. Hmm. That could happen. And then um, on the next night. And then Alundra Blaze comes out and challenges no, her right no, there. Uh, Hell it yeah. Won't be, it won't be Alundra <laughs> Blaze. I want to see a Blaze come back, baby. Uh, it won't be Alundra Blaze that comes out the next night on Raw. Let me Medusa. See yeah, it'd be a Medusa. No, it'll be. They're different people. Medusa. It'll be this. <laughs> That's who will be coming out on Monday night on Raw after <laughs> Raw this year. And for our listeners, he did not have to download that. That is his ringtone. Yeah. Yes, yes. I'm a big Bailey Mark. What can I say? Uh, seeing her wrestling in NXT. she got a big pop when she came out. Dude, too. it was awesome. I mean, The crowd was hot for NXT. Mm-hmm. So hot. Next match on the card. Oh, I'm taking. Uh, I'm taking. I'm gonna take Charlotte to win that match. I think it's this is Breeze riding to the sunset. Yeah. Yeah, I think Charlotte's gonna win, but 
I want it to go the other way. Like she's going to get beat down. That so bad. that is a good fantasy scenario, but I don't Vince, know. Vince, Vince, I don't know. I I don't think Vince would buy into a women's battle royal WrestleMania. Yeah, if he wants to stay behind this Divas Revolution that's supposedly still going on. Yeah, but it, see, he would rather have if he was he would rather have like a four corner pillow fight evening gown match with his divas before he'd do a battle royal to declare a, ch- to <laughs> declare a champion. Or I think the, with the women's wrestling Or the ever-popular snow bunny match like our our buddy Hervina. Oh, yes, yeah. yes, Hervina. yes, yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or just some weird gimmick women's match. I don't know. I, I, I foresee Sasha is in the ma- in, not in the main event in WrestleMania, but is wrestling for the title. And then the next night, Bailey comes in to challenge her and it starts their food on the main roster. Next match on the card. Uh, actually, not a match. The New Day to appear on the Cutting Edge Peep Show. This is going to be interesting because there are rumors going around mm-hmm. that uh, a tag team may be debuting from NXT during this thing. Hmm. And I'll give you a little sneak preview as to what you may hear. My name is Enzo Amore, yeah, and I am a certified G that would and be great. a bona fide stud, and you can't teach that did you get to hear that? Hey, they weren't there. They weren't they there. Weren't right. there. Castle yeah. weren't there. Um, but yeah, I think I think this is to set up a start set up a program between New Day and Enzo and Big Cass. That would be awesome. Oh, that would That'd be, be so great. The crowd the, the crowd will go nuts mm-hmm. if Enzo and Cass come in. They'll start doing how you doing chants, and you know they'll uh, hit him talk it. It's like Dustin Five Star said. They that's Road Dog and Billy Gunn right now. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. have the entrance. You come in and talk. They cut a quick promo. It's funny. Uh, George in the chat room says Carmella better be with them, <laughs> which you know I could see that happening. Could yeah, be. yeah. Uh, it's sad that uh, Enzo and Big Cass never got an NXT title run, but for them, I think the show they were better. They're great. They're better than the tag team titles. I'm not, and, and the tag team titles are very important in NXT. Right, but right. Their their act is so much more over, mm-hmm. and they really don't need the titles. And to the, the act. New Day's act is kind of a tweener thing. Right. It's kind of half heel, half. You well, it's know. it's actually supposed to be heel. Yeah, but yeah. people are loving it too much. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, like, you know, they're the heels that people love. You right. know, and all the smart fans, they love them. They love yep. to see them come out and do their trombone gimmick and all the other stuff. You know, I'm just happy so. Kofi is get is something that's popular. I've always Kofi. liked Kofi. Yes, Walking. yes, yeah. <laughs> it's just great. Like, did you guys get to hear them on Chris Vernon? Uh, yeah, I think they I did. were. Dogging him out all, and mm-hmm. you know I'm listening like this is awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're giving Chris Vernon a hard time. Yeah, uh, and they, there was an injury with uh, Mark Henry. Uh, yeah, wasn't there? yeah, yeah. He, uh, yeah. he uh, Big E picked him up for his finish, and he just kind of fell off. Well, he, he was holding him there, and you just see him fall, and we're like, "What the hell's going?" On? It turns out he like separated a rib or something yeah, like that, like so. fractured a rib or something. Yeah, I, I think Mark Henry's time is coming up too. It's coming. Yeah. yeah. I, it sucks that like a guy like him with his size and stuff, he was never a world champion. Yes, he was. He was never a WWE World Heavyweight Champion. He was never the modern WWE, WWE World champion. Heavyweight right, Champion. Right, right, right. He was the World Heavyweight Champion, champion. for SmackDown. Yeah, and even See, the, the ECW Champion when they mm-hmm. had See, that the, big ECW. I didn't, I didn't watch those shows. But yeah, he that's was. A, he a was World. Well, you fan. should. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just <laughs> you wouldn't have been well, wrong. Yeah. You'll, you'll, <laughs> You'll hear this in the interview coming up with Mark, the Memphis Memphis Mofo. I mean, there's a lot of freaking wrestling to watch, and yeah, five yeah. hours just at the WWE on television. Plus, 
there's NXT, plus there's other stuff they're pushing on the network now, like this car riding show, which is... Ride just Along. Ride Along, which is just them riding in cars telling stories, which is what Dinner at Three was. It was just them eating and telling stories. Yeah, and yeah. there's a different... There's just so much content out there now. And mm-hmm. then you got other companies. you got Lucha Underground. You've got <laughs> NJPW, NJPW World. You can get an account for 9.99 yen, which is like 8 bucks. Shout out to New Japan World. Go check it out. There's another subscription service called High Spots. Mm-hmm. And it's got CZW. Mm-hmm. It's got Pro Wrestling Gorilla on it. Yep. I mean, there's just, it's hard, like, because I'm also married <laughs> to sit around. I just can't sit <laughs> around and watch wrestling. And, 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 and plus, there's like four other hours of TV shows that I watch per week. And <laughs> golly, I just need more time in the day to watch all this content. But if you're a wrestling fan, and you just don't want to get into the WWE. You have way other options too. It's like uh, that scene from Family Guy when uh, Quagmire finds out there's porn on the internet. Oh, yeah. that's <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's exactly. What's the internet? You know, and it's like, and then uh, you see him, and they're like, he finally like he, he he opens the door to come out and get his mail, and he's like, there's like Quagmire, we haven't seen you in months, and he's like, I just been watching. Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that's exact. That's ex- but that's that's a great analogy because there's just so much content out mm-hmm. there. That's the next match. Do we pick one? Oh, that was just a segment, right? <laughs> yeah, they like the finish of the clip. He's like, he's like, I was just gonna, I was just gonna go get my mail. You know what? I gotta go back inside. <laughs> <laughs> next match on the card. Uh, it'd be the main event: Triple Threat to face Triple H Perfect. at WrestleMania for the title. Ambrose, Reigns, and Lesnar. Man, see them dropping Ambrose dropped the IC belt. I think is setting him up to win this match. I still don't see them having that much faith in him. I I think they. It's sad to say that, but it would be a huge swerve. It really would, and it would be an awesome swerve. To oh be, yeah. tell you the truth, it hit definitely up the buy rate for WrestleMania. Oh, absolutely. You know, but I, I, I still think they did it just so they could have another title match on this pay-per-view. I, I, I think there's more to it than that. I just think something um, – oh, well, they haven't had the match tonight, so there actually is probably going to be another match, AJ versus Jericho. Yeah, yeah, which they, will, they have it on. Which yeah. is going to steal the show. Oh, yeah. And AJ will go over, and that's going to set uh, – yeah, I guess they match, probably announced it on SmackDown tonight. Which Yeah, they do. They do. Okay. So, yeah, AJ versus Jericho. I am going to take AJ Styles, and that's going to match – that's going to be the match of the night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, AJ should win this one. Yeah, unless they're already just ready to bury him. No, yeah. I think I'll go with he, AJ. And, and I d- I w- they they spend a lot of money getting these guys. You right, know, they right. spent a lot of money getting Del Rio, and they made an offer to AJ that he couldn't refuse. So, I mean, they're spending a lot of money on these guys for them not to get pushed. Right, right. You know, um, and I that could you know that could set up an IC match where we see AJ Jericho and Kevin Owens at WrestleMania. Uh, that would be a badass that match. Would be oh, awesome. that would that would fucking tear the house down. Oh, I hope that happens. Anyway, uh, I am going to take Dean Ambrose. I still don't see it. I would love to see it. I think you're gonna it, that way. You'll get Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar at Mania. And yeah, we've already s- had that. Either and well, but. I see, and then Reigns gets involved somehow in the main event, and either accidentally or purposely screws Dean Ambrose. So you're talking like heel turn for possibly, for Reigns, it, possibly, possibly. I think they've been building Reigns and Triple H for too long now to not do it. 
George in the chat room says, I have a ridiculous prediction that probably won't happen. If Ambrose wins, it's due to the Undertaker screwing over Reigns, and Undertaker is given the Vincent J. McMahon Award, leading to Reigns versus Undertaker. Hmm. That See? Oh. That's, that could be huge. I don't know. Who knows? They don't, I don't know if they even know what they're going to do with Undertaker yet for WrestleMania. I don't think they do. Um, I've heard reports, though, that there's not anybody on the current roster that they want to put against yeah, him. Yeah, that, that's what I read. There's Which brings up my idea of what they might do with him, Samoa Joe. I think mm. Samoa Joe you say for the night after WrestleMania when that crowd is going to be buzzing and everything and then that the ratings – you know, because you can kind of tease it and stuff mm-hmm. like oh, that. Yeah. I think I, Samoa Joe is the night after Mania, just like Bailey. You're going to see either Bayley that or they Joe. put Finn Balor out there. I don't think Bal. Bal- I, I hear they want to keep him as the face of NXT, but he's right injured now. now anyway. Yeah, so. he got yeah they, they said he could yeah, be back this you know weekend where, though. It was just a just a sprain. You know where he got injured? Nashville. Nashville. Fucking Nashville. Yeah. There's nothing good that comes out of Nashville. I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear what those assholes in Nashville tried to do? They tried to claim BB King. Oh, really? They tried to claim B.B. King at the Grammys. Me and George were hot about this. This B.B. <laughs> King is a Memphian. Yep. I don't know if a B.B. King's in fucking Nashville, Tennessee. Nope. No. That's because he's a Memphian. He is a blues guitarist <laughs> down here in Memphis where we play the blues, not that stupid-ass country crap you guys play up there. Sorry. Actually, I just went. Actually, B.B. was from Mississippi technically, but. <laughs> he made a stake in well, Memphis. I, I, okay, I'll shut up. Is that- <laughs> He's a he is more Memphis than he is Nashville. Derek's gonna hurt me in a minute. <laughs> he's more Memphis than Nashville. You That's son all of I'm a bitch, he's from Memphis. Well, uh, same thing with Elvis. To all our Nashville fans, I hope you continue to listen to yeah. the yeah. podcast. <laughs> Sorry, that's just everyone knows there's a Memphis versus Nashville find, rivalry. You yeah, can find whatever. Derek <laughs> on Twitter at Shropnutschroep. Nashville is kind of the capital, and they kind of govern over us a little. If there are important people like that listening to our podcast, then welcome to the b- welcome aboard. Dean Ambrose, I'm going to take as the winner of this match. Mike? It's got to be Reigns. Like I said, they've been building it for too long. I'm going to say Ambrose for the shock factor. And then in a Monday Night Raw leading up to WrestleMania, something happens, and the title gets taken off of Ambrose. In hmm. some way, shape, or form. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Well, those are our fast lane predictions. We are going to take a quick break. When you, we come back, we've got a very cool interview with the Mempho Mofo, Mark Bravura. This is a fantastic thing. We're, he's going to talk about his love for Memphis professional wrestling and how he got started in wrestling. So stick around. This is the Oversell Podcast. Welcome back, and joining us on the show now is the Mempho, Mofo, Mark Bravura. Mark, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. We really do appreciate you coming on and talking to us for a little bit. Thank you guys for having me on. So what got you into professional wrestling? What was the moment that made you a fan? Can you remember? Oh, man, literally my first memory in life is watching professional wrestling. I was a very, very tiny little kid. And uh, my mother is an Italian immigrant, so my grandparents barely spoke any English, and they lived in Pittsburgh, so they were huge Bruno San Martino fans. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And my dad grew up outside of Pittsburgh, and his cousin was Bruno's best friend growing up. So they both had the connection through wrestling. So when I was very little, we were at my granddad's house. They would always have wrestling on because it was really the only thing that my dad and my granddad could both watch because my granddad really didn't speak English. Mm-hmm. So uh, my first memory in life is sitting on the floor at my grandparents' house on Mount Washington, looking over Pittsburgh, and they put on wrestling, and I was coloring in a Dukes of Hazard coloring book, and I looked up and was watching wrestling for the first time ever, and it was the Moondogs against two guys I don't remember, and the Moondogs screwed up, and one Moondog hit the other with the bone, and the baby face was one. And the one moon dog was bleeding all over the place, and then the other moon dog got mad at him, and then they started floating, and they started bleeding all over the place, and I screamed and cried until they turned it off. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So and when? Then, oh, go ahead, go ahead. And then soon after that, my uh, my dad, who was also a big wrestling fan, he started telling my dad about. Um, all these other guys that he just thought were amazing, and he knew that I was a big superhero fan. So he uh, told my dad that he thought I would like him, and I didn't want my dad's dad to think that I was a wimp. So I told my dad that I wanted to watch it, and my dad didn't want me to because I'd gotten so upset by the moon dog bleeding all over each other. But uh, I begged and begged and begged, and my dad let me watch, and it was a uh, like a classic show or something like that, and they had the match where Tony Atlas and Rocky Johnson won the tag team titles from the Samoans. Mm-hmm. And so I saw Tony Atlas and Rocky Johnson, and there were these two jacked-up dudes that looked like superheroes flying around the ring, and I thought they were the most incredible things I'd ever seen in my life. And so that puts me right there. I was like, oh, my God, these are like real-life comic books. And you know, when you're like four or five years old, that's the coolest thing in the world. And uh, then I saw Hulk Hogan, and he was this super big jacked up guy who was like a superhero, and I was immediately hooked. And I have been watching it and been a part of it ever since. Cool. Well, who did you train with? Um, I originally trained in Memphis, Tennessee. I went to grad school at the University of Memphis, and the real reason I went there is uh, WWE Developmental was there. That's when they had Memphis Championship Wrestling. Yes, sir. So I moved there, and really the first call I made was to Billy Wayne, who passed away recently. Yes. And he was running the school connected with the developmental territory. And he told me how much it was, and I obviously didn't have that money because I was a grad student. And I started saving the money, and by the time I had the money, um, developmental had moved to Louisville and Cincinnati. So I no longer had that option. So I called around and got on the internet and looked for any sort of wrestling school that was around there and found a couple of them and I went to one and I knew as soon as I walked in the door like I didn't know anything about wrestling training but I knew that these were not guys I wanted to train with (laughs) (laughs) they were a goose and I could tell they had no idea what they were doing so I immediately left and then I got an email from a guy named Tony Myers who had been an enhancement guy on Memphis towards the end of the USWA days and was now wrestling around Memphis. And he said that he had a school and he would train me. And so I looked him up and, you know, I found that he wasn't just some random goof like these other guys. Mm-hmm. And so I made an appointment to meet him. And it turned out that his school was in the showroom of a transmission shop. 
on Summer Avenue in a very, very bad part of Memphis. It's <laughs> 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 a very, very bad part. There are lots of bad parts of Memphis. This was a bad part of Memphis. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't care. I wanted to be a wrestler. And I went in there and there was a ring, and that was good enough for me. And so Tony took me through my first couple uh, months of training, and then Tony had some problems, and he disappeared. But I met a guy named Johnny Dotson, who was also uh, the enhancement guy around Memphis, and he has done some developmental stuff for WCW when they had their connection with the group in Nashville. And Johnny just liking me, and so once Tony disappeared, Johnny, despite not getting any money from me, <laughs> was showing up and picked up the training and trained me for another couple months. And then the guy that owned the transmission shop, his name is Danny Dunn. He's actually Jerry Lawler's best friend. Like he's, he was his best man in some of his weddings. Danny decided he was going to expand the transmission shop and he wanted to take the ring and everything out of the showroom and turn that into more transmission days. So we got kicked out of that part of the uh, transmission shop. So we started going over to Don Bass's ring which is in a tin shed out back of his trailer in Jericho, Arkansas. Uh-huh. <laughs> and the ring consists of, uh, it's in a tin shed in Memphis in the summer. You can imagine how hot that is. The ring is a concrete floor with three layers of carpet. There are four wooden posts in the ground and then string around it for ropes. My God. <laughs> <laughs> And you were expected to take every bump you would ordinarily take. So we were taking suplexes and backdrops and stuff like that in there. And it was probably 120, 125 degrees. It was crazy. But uh, that's where we would, that's where I kind of finished up training. And then Johnny one day said to me, uh, I think you're ready to have a match. So whatever I'm booked, you're booked. Uh, we just have to drive. So from then on, Basically, every Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, Johnny was booked somewhere. I was booked with him. And I just had to pick him up, and we drove to every small town within probably six hours of Memphis, Tennessee, in a radius mm-hmm. for uh, probably the next six months to a year. And then Johnny disappeared, and I started driving myself around and getting myself booked everywhere that I could. Well, that's um, pretty... After about a year, I got picked. I started wrestling in Dyersburg, Tennessee, which had probably the best local group outside of Memphis. And it was run uh, a guy named Derek King, who I don't know if you guys know Derek or not. Oh, yeah, we've oh. had him on the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, this podcast is based out of Memphis. Oh, okay. Well, then so, you guys definitely know Derek. So, uh, Derek booked me into Dyersburg, and Derek was booking in Dyersburg. And uh, Motley Cruz and Tasha Simone were there, and they trained people on Sundays. And so after the first couple weeks of wrestling there, I realized that I sucked, and I needed to get better. <laughs> I started training with uh, Derek and Motley and Tasha on Sundays, and that's really where I learned how to work. So, so much from Derek. He knows it. I tell, it, I tell him that every time I talk to him. <laughs> I saw all his shit. Um and Motley and Tasha really kind of taught me like psychology and really more than anything else, like respect for the business. Like they worked my ass so hard and would put me in all the shoot holds. <laughs> like this is how this really feels. So they're going to learn how to sell it. So I feel like it really hurts. 
Mm-hmm. So uh, they were all like, I owe everything I ever got out of wrestling to Tony and Johnny and Motley, Tasha, and Derek. They really were uh, who made me into a wrestler. Very cool. It seems like Derek King has that effect because um, whenever we have any guys that have gone through Memphis, like, well, who trained you? And one of them is always Derek, by God, greater than great King. Yeah. <laughs> well, another thing that, uh, that Derek doesn't let out so much is Tony Myers, who was my original trainer, was also Derek's original trainer. <laughs> oh. Tony only trained three guys. He trained me, he trained Derek, and he trained uh, Rashad Devine, who you might know. He's a manager around Memphis. Yeah, I think he's a referee now. Yeah, Rashad's actually yeah, a uh, referee too. now, yeah. He, I think he does a lot of work with NWA Mid-South up there in Ole. Or, uh, yeah, RWA, yeah, yeah. RWA or something like he that. He does RCW he, and uh, Wildfire here in town. Yep. Uh, but yeah, okay. he's making the rounds in town here and out at Ripley. <laughs> so where did this Mempho Mofo uh, character come up? Um, it's interesting. I did not do that character when I was in Memphis. That was not me at all. I was just sort of like uh, a generic babyface. <laughs> I didn't know how I wanted to be or what. I didn't know who I was really. Um, and then when I moved back to Virginia, and I was first starting back. And kind of finding my way, I still sort of booked as a kind of generic babyface, and I didn't really like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I convinced a guy who was running weekly to let me turn heel, and I did, and it worked really well, and had a really great angle to kick it off. And I was trying to figure out, you know, what's the best thing for me? What's the best? Who am I exactly? And how do I turn it up to eleven? And right about that time, uh, Steve Bradley died. And I don't know if you guys knew. You guys know who Steve Bradley is? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Steve passed away. And Steve was the guy that encouraged me to get into wrestling. When I first moved to Memphis before I had ever trained, after I called Buddy Wayne, but before I had ever started training, uh, I met Steve at the gym. And he didn't know me from Adam, but at the time I had really, really crazy-looking facial hair. And uh, I was too intimidated to go up and talk to Steve because I saw him on TV and I thought he was fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to meet him. <laughs> and I just thought, this guy should be on TV. He's the best. But I was too embarrassed to go up and talk to him. And one day he came up to me in the gym while I was benching and he stood over me and looked down. And I'm scared. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? And I finished benching. And I sit down and look at him. And he goes, that is the stupidest facial hair I have ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> and so he just started messing with me and we became friends at the gym and we would hang out sometimes and just got to be buddies and uh, when they announced that they were moving everybody to, to Louisville and Cincinnati we were at, like the last time I saw him at the gym I think he was moving the next day or the day after uh, everybody else walked off and Steve stopped and grabbed me and he said when are you going to ask me about being a wrestler and I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, it's obvious you want to be a wrestler. It's obvious you love it. You care more about it than most of the guys we have here. Why don't you just get trained? Stop being a pussy. I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I could do it. I don't know if I'd be good <laughs> enough. And he's like, shut up. If I could do it, you could do it. Go get trained. And I'm like, oh. He said, look, man, the next time I see you, if you're not a wrestler, I'm going to beat your ass. <laughs> <laughs> And so I kind of had to do it at that point. So he moved away, and that's when I, I mean, that's when I got back on it and got with, you know, Tony on getting trained. And so when I first started, 
I never was like, oh, I want to be in WWE, I want to do this, I want to do that. I was like, I want to work a show with Steve Bradley and say thank you. And so when Steve passed away, it, it to this day, it's the hardest, it's the last death that hits me the hardest. Like every every December when the anniversary comes around, it, it just crushes me. And so when Steve passed, I was really thinking about, you know, what this means, I'm never going to hit that goal, and, you know, what what do I do with this? And it kind of hit me, you know, the guy that I am comes from Steve, and Steve's gimmick for a long time was the baddest mofo on the show. Mm -hmm. I was like, man, that's good, nobody's using that, I'd like to use it and make it a, a tribute to Steve. And my favorite thing in wrestling ever is old Memphis wrestling TV, like, we used to get it on syndicated here in outside of DC when I was a kid. And that was my favorite show. Like that was, I loved it better than WWE. I loved it better than WCW. I loved it better than any other show that we got it was the hour long syndicated Memphis show that we got. I loved it. Mm -hmm. And to this day, my favorite stuff to watch is old Memphis stuff. So I like to think of myself as being like continuation of Memphis. So that's where it came from taking the mofo thing from Steve and the mempho thing from, you know, Jimmy Giant and being a Memphis guy. And I think that's really who I am is I'm the guy that loves old school wrestling more than anybody else on the planet. Like there is nobody else on the planet who does. And anybody who tells you that they do, they're a liar because it's me. <laughs> that's, that's where the mempho mofo character comes from. I truly believe that. Well, how long have you been, have you been, have you been wrestling? wrestling? Uh, uh, 2002, so 13 years now. Oh, wow. 14. Nice. Do you? Were there any moments that you can remember watching? Because I love, I love talking old school uh, Saturday morning wrestling, which was Saturday morning wrestling for us. Are there any moments that you can remember from watching the old USWA, CWA stuff that just really stick out in your head? Uh, it was the first one I ever saw. It was the episode, it was the uh, stud stable, Robert Fuller and Jimmy Golden, and, and I can't remember who the fourth guy was, and Brickhouse Brown. And they're doing this thing where they had just beaten somebody, and they're all celebrating, and Robert Fuller is giving everybody gifts. And he ends up giving Brickhouse Brown fried chicken, watermelon, and Afro pick, and like, <laughs> And I remember seeing this. And I'm watching with my dad, and I look at my dad, and I'm like, how can they do that? That's so <laughs> awful. And he's like, oh, that is. They're, they're horrible people. I hope they get there. So he would play it up. Like, my dad knew, but he didn't want to ruin it for me. So he would always play into it. And he was like, man, I bet Brickhouse Brown's not going to take that. And sure enough, Brickhouse gets pissed off and beats them all up. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first episode of Memphis Wrestling I ever saw, and I was just fucked. I was fucked. I thought this was the greatest thing ever. And uh funny story about that, years later when I was in Memphis, I drove Brick around for a while. And I would take him to your book book in some of the same places, so I'd pick him up and we'd drive to the coast together. And after probably, you know, three or four times working together, I worked up the courage to ask him about that angle. <laughs> he was oh man, I remember that and I was like, Yeah, man, like why do you have to fucked up? Why did they do that? And he's like, No, nah. Man, like, it was hard for me to get mad. I'm like, why would it be hard for you to get mad? It's so racist. He's like, bro, I needed an apple pick. I needed the Jericho cream. I read fried chicken. And look, man, it doesn't like watermelon. 
Did you ever happen to see the gimmick where um, Eddie Gilbert hit Lawler with his car? Yep, I remember that one too. What was your thoughts when you first saw that? Let's see. What is that? That's like 89-ish? Yeah, I think. I think. Yeah, early 90s. I, I, I remember seeing it when I was like eight or nine. That yeah, that's about, I guess that's about when I saw it. I remember, it like, at that point, one of the things you're like, even though you're eight, nine, ten years old, you believe, but you know some things are not on the level. I remember seeing that and thinking, I, I, I didn't have the reaction to it that I think they wanted me to have the reaction to it. Like, I didn't <laughs> want to see Lawler get revenge. I remember thinking, they're desperate. Like, why are they hitting this man with a car? Yeah. <laughs> Even as a kid, I remember thinking, this is good. This is a step further than they needed to go. That's, That's yeah. the first time I really remember, like, kind of the fourth wall. I remember the fourth wall coming down for me at that point and thinking, why did they have to go to this? Like, yeah, yeah. With a car. <laughs> it just seems like a little bit much. Well, that that was always the Memphis. Like the Memphis was always the crazier storylines and bringing in the over the top, the Andy Kaufman, the over inebriated oh, yeah. Adam West trying to defeat the evil King Jerry Lawler, and he can <laughs> barely talk. <laughs> I, I, I watched that again that until much later. <laughs> yeah, I watched that again the other day, and I just cannot stop laughing at how drunk. Well, you know, it's so funny because like uh, my trainer was Ken, Ken Wayne, actually, uh, Buddy Wayne's son, uh, Mark. Yeah, I know Ken. So uh, yeah, Ken actually trained me for a good three or four years before he turned me loose, uh, and I wrestled for another three or four, but. Uh, one of the stories that he would always tell was the, you know, the backstory to Eddie getting hit with the car, you know, and it would be, you know, they had people calling the cops on Eddie, you know, trying to find him. Yeah, <laughs> and the yeah. cops showed up at the studio looking for Eddie because, you know, here it was on right. live TV. He'd, he'd hit Lawler with the car, you know, right. and, uh, and you know, Lawler come out later in the show and say he was okay. Yeah. <laughs> the angle. Uh, crazy. Because it was, uh, you know, the cops came and were like, all right, you got to blow this off. We don't want people coming to this anymore. Right. So we had to kill that angle. Yep. And then, I and then, a uh, hilarious Ken Wayne story for you. That and you'll, you'll love. And if Ken trade you, you'll know Ken, and this will probably resonate with you. Uh, one of the first places I worked regularly was this group out of Boonville, Mississippi. They uh-huh. were in Boonville on Saturdays, and then every Friday night was a different town around there in, like, Alabama and Mississippi and Tennessee. Yeah. And uh, I was greater than goose shit. I was terrible, but everybody there was terrible, so they were pushing me. So we were working <laughs> a show in the middle of nowhere, Alabama, called Vina, Alabama. There's nobody here, and we're at this volunteer fire department. This town can't be more than a couple hundred people, and there's, like... Five or six hundred people in this volunteer fire department thing. I think, where did all these people come from? <laughs> and I'm in the main event with Ken, which makes no sense because I suck. So I'm already scared to death. I'm working one on one with Ken. I'm not even a year in. Like this is just going to be a disaster. This is uh-huh. a complete disaster. And Ken is supposed to beat me in like 
12 minutes, 15 minutes, something like that. And I can tell something is up. I don't know what's up, but something is definitely up. And Ken and I don't talk at all before we go to the ring. Nothing. I have absolutely no information what we're going to do. <laughs> and that's the end of the business. You can imagine I'm pissing my pants over this. <laughs> <laughs> we go out there and we start. And Ken tells me, side headlock, side. Put it side headlock. Take me over, kid. Take him over. And we sat there in that side headlock. For 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't do anything. I was like, um, sir? And he goes, it's fine, Jeff. We're going to stay here. <laughs> Every so often, he started working up a bit. And he goes, crank on me. Crank on me. Bring me back down. Bring him back down. We did nothing. Yeah. We just sat in the house for 15 minutes. The referee's freaking out. I'm freaking out. The fans are pissed off. Eventually, uh, he backs me in the corner. He goes, um, uh, reverse. You have to fly across body. Okay? So he goes to shoot me. I reverse it. He goes to fly across body at the second. As I catch him, I feel him grabbing me in a way that I was not expecting. He rolls through so that I'm on top of him and just hangs onto me. And the referee goes down and counts. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> I thought I jumped up. Like, I'm trying to show off I'm trying to let him kick out, but he just held on for dear life and made me quit him. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, I am in so much trouble. I am in so much trouble. So I slide out of the ring. I'm not celebrating. I'm just scared. Ken tells me, "Let me get the fuck out of here. Give him his belt." <laughs> what is going on? Ref comes out, gives me the belt. I hold it, I look at it. I put it up over my head with just this look of abject fear on my face. <laughs> I go to the back, and as soon as I go through the curtain, the booker and the owner are right there, and they're like, What the fuck did you do? They're cussing me up and down. And we had separate entrances at the locker room. So Ken comes to the other side, and I just hear him storming down the locker on the other side, just cussing up a storm. Uh-huh. He pushes me out of the way and gets in the face of the booker and the promoter and just starts cussing them up. I guess they had like tried to fuck him on his money or something. Like they weren't going to pay him in full amount or who knows what. He was pissed off about something. Yeah. And just cusses them up and down to the point that they're just like cowering from him. We were two big dudes, just cowering from Ken. And when he finishes, he turns around, he puts his finger in my chest and says, none of that, that applies to you. You did a good job. And turns and walks away. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And they're like, what in the hell? And I just threw up my hands like, I have no idea. Don't look at me. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe, I didn't see Ken again for maybe a year and a half, two years. And we're on a show, like, I want to say it was in Gibson, Tennessee, or somewhere like that, and Ken comes with uh, his son, Eric, who had been rapping. Yeah. And he comes in, and I think there's no chance in hell Ken recognizes me. Like, none. Like, there's no way he's going to remember this. Comes in the door, says hi to everybody, comes around on the far side of the building. He comes around, 
looks sees me and to see him recognize me, makes a beeline over for me. He's like, hey, Ken, how you doing? I'm like, I'm, I'm good, Ken, how are you? And he's like, oh, man. Wow. I well I tell you, that's one story Ken has not told me and he's probably told me about two hundred of them. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, where all have you got? Right. Well, where all have you gotten to travel to since you started wrestling? Uh, let's see. There's a, there's a state in the mid south. I've wrestled in a small town in it, from Kentucky, Missouri, Arkansas, Tennessee, Louisiana, Alabama, Georgia, Florida, everyone around there. And then since I've been in DC. Everywhere around here, from basically Illinois over, I've probably wrestled in that state. I haven't wrestled in Vermont or New Hampshire yet, so I want to knock those off the list. Mm-hmm. For a while, I was getting flown out to, uh, there's a company based out of Vegas called Future Stars of Wrestling, and they were running once a month. Uh, they have a show in Vegas, and then they have a show either in Phoenix or in... It was just Phoenix. So they were flying me out once a month to look for them, and that was a blast. But um, I was really good friends with the promoter. He's an awesome guy. And uh, he talked to me about the business side of things. And finally, I was just like, look, man, I love you. I love coming out here, but I'm not making you money. So <laughs> until you are profitable, stop blowing your money on my flight and get yourself profitable. And this some point in the future, we can afford to do, do this again, and we can do this, and we can do this, we can do this, we can do this again. We're spending 400 bucks a month to fly media. <laughs> I love it here, but seriously, don't do it. Yeah. So it's not flying out there as much. Um, but I've been maybe from Illinois east and south, almost every state. And then, unfortunately, I haven't had as many to the west of the Mississippi, but uh, I'd like to do more. It'd be nice. I'd love to say that I have in all 50 states. That'd be cool. That'd be real cool. Uh, what other do you ever? How much of the business do you get to watch outside of um, maybe WWE? Uh, I don't watch WWE at all. Uh, oh wow! I haven't. I haven't seen any WWE TV in years, and I haven't watched any literally anything WWE uh, since last year's Mania. I didn't watch Mania last year. Uh, I just. It got to be too much stuff to watch. Five hours a week was just more than I was going to commit. And uh, I'm a very big Sting fan. Like, that was my favorite wrestler as a kid. Like, yeah. It was a huge, huge, huge thing. And I got to meet him a couple times. Um, I did some dark matches for Impact. And he was as classy and kind and generous with his time as anybody at his level you could ever imagine. Like he did and offered way more than you would ever expect from anyone, much less freaking sting. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. so uh, I had already pretty much stopped watching WWE, but then when thinking then I was like, all right, this is my childhood hero. I'll watch. And uh, I didn't pay that much attention, but I still wanted to see him in WrestleMania. 
but there's some real good on that day, so I was going to watch it later in the day. And I hadn't had the network for a while, but I got in the network again just to watch WrestleMania. And I had all these people who knew I'm a wrestler who aren't, they had been wrestling fans, but weren't wrestling fans anymore. But when they heard about Sting, they were like, oh, I'm going to get WrestleMania just to see Sting. It must have been like 30, 35 people. Yeah. Friends of mine, just, you know, not wrestlers, but, you know, people who were, had been wrestling fans and didn't really care anymore, but they were into it because Sting was back. And then I was sitting on the couch with my wife, watching something else, and I get this text from a best friend of mine from Memphis who still lives in uh, Bartlett. And he goes, that was the dumbest thing I've ever seen. I want to turn this shit off. And I'm like, I'm not watching it. What's going on? And he texts back, big, big thing. <laughs> <laughs> I looked at my phone. I confirmed that he said, I wrote back, really? And he went, yeah, I hate this. So I got up off my couch. I walked into the room with my computer. I logged on to WWE.com. I canceled the network. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Well, do you, is there any wrestling that you are watching right now? Um, I watch Ring of Honor because I got a lot of friends there. Cool. Um, I, I was really good about uh, watching TNA for a while, but then when it moved time slots and then it moved to pop, it got a lot harder for me to watch it. Um, but I've got a bunch of friends who are there, um, so I'm trying to be better about watching TNA. Um, I was watching a ton of New Japan for a while just because that was... I like their in-ring style and how guys there are able to differentiate themselves just through their ring work. Like, I didn't know what any of their names were when I first started watching. It's probably the G1 two years ago because I wanted to see uh, Styles. Mm-hmm. So it's probably the G1 two years ago. I watched every show. And within two shows, I knew Ishii from Makabe from... Um, Nagata from guys who I've you know, either never seen before or hadn't seen in years. And just from knowing their ring style and the way that they work, they were able to differentiate themselves to me, who had no idea who they were. And I just love that. So I was watching a lot of New Japan for a while, but that, that fell off as well. So mostly, if I watch stuff now, I watch old stuff. I've been watching uh, the old Joe Pettifino and Gordon Soli pro wrestling this week shows. Mm-hmm. So I've been watching those, basically, because I never saw those when I was a kid. We didn't have that show up here in D.C., so I've been working my way through those and just seeing how weird it is that all of these different companies are on this one random syndicated TV show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I have people send me probably 10 to 12 matches a week to watch and give them feedback on. Um, so if I watch wrestling, I watch more of that than anything else but i don't watch WWE all i tried to jump around and just never got into it it's just not a style that i'm very into um so i try to keep up on ring of honor and i try to keep up on impact but that's in the indies and that's about it really have you seen the new ring of honor set yeah it's amazing oh it looks so awesome have you seen it yet Dan? yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, i've seen i've God, seen the man. pictures of it it looks pretty cool it look, i'm ready we don't i don't have direct tv and it doesn't have uh comet yet and I've written to DirecTV several times saying, give me Comet. And as soon as it comes on, I'm set. The first thing I'm going to start recording is Ring of Honor. <laughs> I do get access, so I'll get to watch um, New Japan. And I'm going to start watching when JR's doing his commentary on it. Mm-hmm. And I used to get access. I don't get it anymore. I don't know where it went. I mean, we used to have access, but not anymore. I get Ring of Honor on the local ABC affiliate at like 
2 o'clock in the morning on ah, Saturday. Gotcha. Well, what, uh, describe for our listeners that uh, may not have gotten to see your matches, describe your psychology in the ring as far as um, the Mempho Mofo. Um, like I said, I think of myself as the epitome of Memphis wrestling. So if you have ever watched Memphis wrestling, have any appreciation of Memphis wrestling, Memphis wrestling is more about a fight than it is about a match. Uh, I believe that the best thing you can do in order to get people to engage with what you do is to be as real as you can get while also inserting a certain amount of entertainment. Um, when you go back and watch Lawler and Dundee, they're always entertaining, but you always get the idea that these dudes don't like each other and it's a fight. And that's, I think if you start from that, then you're always going to be at a better uh, advantage than if you're going to start with any other ideas. So the best advice I've ever gotten is with What's the story you're telling? What are you trying to get over? What is the goal of this match? And the goal from the match should always be that somebody's going to come out of it more than they were no matter what. Like, that should be your goal. So if you start from that, that's really the booker's job, to give you an idea. And if, even if they just say so-and-so is over, they should really kind of give you a better idea. <laughs> you know? And that's where you should build your match from. And then you put in bits and pieces of who you are if you're in that situation. I, as I always say about acting, I did a lot of acting when I was younger. Acting is reacting. And to me, wrestling is reacting. Mm-hmm. And if I'm working with somebody who's a strong character, our match should organically come out of my character reacting to their character, who I am reacting to them. So if I'm in a room with either of you guys, and say one of you is like Donald, Donald Trump and is a very bombastic, loud, annoying, seriously conservative Republican, I'm going to have a different interaction with that person than if I'm in a room with Bernie Sanders, who's also loud but in a different way um, and more of a liberal. Like We're going to have a different interaction. If I'm in the ring with, say, Moose, who's this giant former NFL player who has uh, incredible athleticism, the way that I'm going to work with that person, the way I'm going to fight that person, the way I'm going to approach a fight with that person has to be completely different than if I'm having a fight with, say, uh, ACH, who's a small guy who's going to be doing a lot of flips. You know, we're going to have, we should have completely different matches. They shouldn't even remotely resemble each other. And if they do, we're all doing something terribly wrong. You know, so that's how my psychology is. I know who I am. I know who Mark Revere is. I know who the mental Moko is. I know how he reacts to any situation, no matter what it is. I know how I would react to it. So no matter what an opponent of mine is going to do, I know how I would handle that, how the Moko would handle that situation. And if I'm working with somebody who knows themselves just as well, our matches will be incredibly easy, and we don't have to call anything ahead of time. We'll just do it because we know how we're going to react to each other. And the best thing about wrestling is when you walk into a locker room, once you have that level of comfort, you can see it in other people. Um, I've been working with a guy named Shane Andrews who's on OVW. We're in a group in 
Pittsburgh together. We've been working together. Literally, the first time I saw the guy, I said, I can work with that guy, and it'll be great. And we've never met before. We just were standing and sitting in the same locker room. But I could just tell that I could work with this guy, and it would be great. And we've been working together in Pittsburgh, and it's been great. Like, we're doubling the house from where it was a year previous with us on top working together because he knows who he is. I know who I am. Jesse Buck's mother is his valet. She knows who she is. And it just makes a really good dynamic. I don't get into the complicated side of things. Like, I don't think you need to script everything out. I don't think you need right. to, you know, practice everything. I don't think you need to get deep into um, this move and that move. I think, I think basically wrestling is a dynamic personality against another dynamic personality. And people want to see what happens when those personalities go against each other. I think that's a very base human emotion, the things they want to see. You know, if you think about this example I like to use is the Fast and Furious franchise was dead. It was dead. Nobody cared. And then you took Vin Diesel, who nobody cared about in any other movie. Any other movie he ever did was a bomb. And then you took The Rock, who was coming off of a whole lot of terrible movies that weren't making any money. But they said, in Fast and Furious, whatever, it's going to be The Rock, Versus Vin Diesel, and people were like, oh, I don't want to see that. That's right. Yeah, Nobody wanted to see right. the last three Fast and Furious movies. Nobody wanted to see the last ten Vin Diesel movies. Nobody wanted to see those last five rock movies. But you put them in a movie together, and you have two dynamic personalities, and they're going to fight. And people are like, whoa, let's go see this movie. It's a great mm-hmm. analogy. So my psychology is that basic thing. Take a dynamic personality, put it against another dynamic personality, and people will want to see them fight. Now, um... You've done work in Virginia. Have you gotten to work against uh, Jimmy Valiant? I have. <laughs> I, I like the giggle afterwards. That means <laughs> that means there's a story. I, I, it's the same story that everybody has whenever they work with Jimmy. It's hilarious. You have the hardest thing about wrestling with Jimmy is not smiling and laughing the whole time because yeah. you can't you know, <laughs> the entire Jimmy. But that's the whole. <laughs> that's the hardest part about working with Jimmy is not breaking character and laughing the whole time because it is ridiculous and hilarious and so much fun. He's going to stick his thumb up your butt. It's going to be ridiculous. You're going to fight over his thumb. He's going to stick it in your mouth. It's going to be the stupidest thing ever, but everybody's going to enjoy it. Everybody's going to have fun, and it's going to be hilarious. (laughs) Have you gotten to work with any other old Memphis stars? Um, Let's see. The Rock and Rolls, Brick House, never worked with Waller, but I've been um, on shows with Waller and, like, in his corner or the corner of the guy he was working against. Um, Bill Dundee, uh, Steve Carlisle, when I was doing some stuff with uh, FCW, but never wrestled against him. Mm-hmm. Brian Christopher, um, Danny Davis. Oh, cool. I think that's most of them. Very cool. Well, what events you got coming up? Uh, let's see. Right now, I am in a boot because I dislocated my ankle and broke a bone in it. Oh, so, wow. I'm having to take a few weeks off. But on February 27th, I will finally get my chance to get the aforementioned quiet boy, sorry, bad boy, Shane Andrews, in the ring. We were supposed to have a match at the end of January, but he, uh, cast a snow spell to cause a snowstorm in order to get the event canceled because he's so deathly afraid of me. And if you go to youtube.com 
slash Memphis Mocha, you can see I found footage of him casting this despicable spell and resorting to sorcery to try to get our match canceled. And he will not be able to get the match canceled on February 27th. I can guarantee you that. It will be a street fight with myself against the bad boy Shane Andrews. No disqualification because apparently he's a little bit angry with me because I've been singing some songs to his fiance, Jesse Bell. Ah. You can see those songs on youtube.com slash mentalmoco as well. But, you know, I, I was just warning her about what the possibilities were if she stuck her nose where it didn't belong. And uh, that led to, you know, her putting herself in a situation she didn't need to be in. And after I defeated Shane Andrews in November, I was just doing the right thing and getting him out of the business when she decided to stick her nose in there. And <laughs> I may or may not have piled over her. Oh, that's up in the air. It was only because she put her hands on me first, and it was self defense. May, may or and, may not know, have. It's, it's a legend. Jane Andrews didn't appreciate this, and he wanted a piece of me. And you know what? I would piece of him too because he's a ugly little midget who looks like mini me, and I've had enough of him being in professional wrestling. Yeah. And on February 27th, happy RWA. <laughs> The mofo is going to end Shane Andrews in an extremely violent way. And if anybody wants to see such a wonderful thing, i got to tell you, they already have 300 tickets reserved for this event. It could sell out. That is already fire capacity. You should go to the RWA on Facebook. You you should reserve yourself a ticket. Get yourself in there to see the mofo. And one with Shane Andrews as part of Fury in the big street fight. (laughs) Where can folks find you on social media? Uh, on, on Twitter, it is at MemphoMofo. On Facebook, it's Facebook.com slash MemphoMofo is my uh, Facebook fan page. The uh, MemphoMofo.com website is down for now. It is being updated. I'm on Instagram as MemphoMofo, Snapchat as MemphoMofo. Basically, there's a social media platform. You'll find the Mofo on it, at MemphoMofo. Very cool. Well, Mark, man, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been This has been a fun interview. Um, it's cool talking to someone that's not in Memphis anymore, but that has come through Memphis and is a big fan of stuff. You know, we're over here in Bartlett, Tennessee, just talking about it, about it once, about it once, a, once a week. Loves this wrestling outside yeah. of Memphis is fantastic. And, so. I, and I like the fact that it's you know, Memphis Mofo is a Memphis gimmick, and you're you're not just restricted to Memphis. That you're you're taking Memphis. Uh, with you on the road, as you will. <laughs> yes, sir, baby. I'm taking Memphis on the road all around the country. That's right, all and around I the country. Memphis, it's still my city. I still consider it home, even though I don't live there. I love that place. I love the city. I love the people. Um, if you guys are in Barlet, if you get a chance, uh, my buddy is a filmmaker down there. I helped him out with a movie called Girl in Woods that should be coming out soon. They did the premiere at the... Uh, Memphis Film Festival, and I think that'll be. Uh, I think they might do another little premiere once it once they sign the contracts to get a distribution. So if you see anything about Garland Woods, be sure to go out and support that. Yes, sir. Um, I love Memphis. It's my favorite city in the world. I love me some local Lou's. I love me some Gus's. I love me some Central Barbecue. I love me some Corky's. <laughs> <laughs> I love the arcade. I'm just all that food, but if I was still there, I would be so fat that I'd be very happy about it. Yeah. <laughs> all right, folks. Well, we're going to take a break. We'll be right
Samoa Joe is a badass. Mm-hmm. Samoa Joe could punch through my head. Probably. <laughs> Samoa Joe could hurt me a lot. Welcome yep, back definitely. to the Oversell <laughs> Podcast. We're going to start wrapping things up here. Um, near the you end of the episode, rapping. we always said, what? You were rapping. rapping. You said rapping. rapping. You, were rapping. You, weren't, you weren't rapping well, no, but you I was were just, rapping. I was just talking in tune with the song. <laughs> yeah, it's called rapping. No, it's not. I wasn't rapping. I was singing. <laughs> yes, I was singing. You're in Memphis. I, it was rap. No, no I'm in Memphis. I was singing blues. No. Anyway. <laughs> <That> was um, <laughs> <laughs> Well, as we like to f- wrap up our shows, we always like to do a me- quick Memphis wrestling moment. Dan's got the book. Shout out to Mark James at MemphisWrestlingHistory.com. Yep. Uh, Mar- and Mike, Dan, whoever the hell you are, you got the mic. Oh, really? <laughs> I don't even know who I am. Yeah, I got the mic. We do- <laughs> you missed one week. <laughs> easy, to, easy to get on this podcast. All right, Dustin- just walk in the door, start talking on the mic. <laughs> uh, all right, Dustin Starr, you've got the... Uh, you got the book there. I'm just kidding. Uh, I'll just flex and <laughs> we'll just get right out of here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's gonna work. Uh, oh, I'm I'm noticing a trend here for like Valentine's Day that I have to mention is like it seems like every year they had Mid South Coliseum, Mid South Coliseum, Mid South Coliseum, and then all of a sudden when it got to February 14th, Valentine's Day, around that date for some reason they had to move it to the convention center. So I'm interested to. Uh, you know, figure that figure that one out. But anyway, um, let's see. Sunday, February fourteenth, nineteen eighty-two, three p.m. at the Cook Convention Center. Got to get you out of here early so you can go home and have dinner with the wife. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's what it was. That was what. That is what it was. Uh, main event was Southern Heavyweight Title Match: Jerry Lawler versus Dutch Mantel. Sweet. Also known as Zeb Coulter now in WWE. Uh, Southern Tag Team title match. Bill Dundee and Steve Kern versus Midnight Express. Um, Guido, is that? Do I need to get the magnifying glass? Fighting stick match. Fighting stick match? Something. Just a couple sticks. Between Bill Dundee Dundee versus Tojo Yamamoto, it says... Something pole and fighting stick, pole maybe a pole on a fighting fighting stick on a pole match. That's not going to help. <laughs> <laughs> this is fighting stick on a pole match, I guess. Um, let's see. Um, that uh, that still doesn't help. You keep forgetting your reading uh, glasses. Return. F- uh, let's see. Return five thousand dollar bounty match. No time limit. No disqualification. Stan Lane. Versus the Iranian assassin with Jimmy Hart. Stan Lane. He was one of the fabulous ones, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Stan Lane and Steve Kern. That's right. Uh, Rick and Robert Gibson versus Bobby Eaton and Sweet Brown Sugar with Jimmy Hart. Um, now, I remind me after the fact, once we get out of this, because I've, I've got a really funny story i got to tell. Uh, Dream Machine versus Rick McCord. Uh, Roy Rogers versus Cuban Assassin. Chief Thundercloud versus Gypsy Joe. All right, now the results. Uh, Mantel whips Lawler is the headline. Uh, Dutch Mantel has regained the American Wrestling Alliance Southern Heavyweight title by knocking off Jerry Lawler. 
in other matches yesterday at the Cook Convention Center, Bill Dundee won over Tojo Yamamoto. Dundee and Steve Kern whipped the Midnight Express. Dundee was doing double duty that night. Hmm. Uh, Stan Lee outlasted the Iranian Assassin. Rick and Robert Gibson won by disqualification over Bobby Eaton and Sweet Brown Sugar. The Dream Machine defeated Rick McCord, Roy Rogers... Triumphed? Okay. Yeah. Okay. It looked like there was like a whited out spot there in the newspaper or something. Roy Rogers triumphed over the Cuban assassin and Gypsy Joe stopped Chief Thunderclap. Now, I got a funny story about the did, sweet brown sugar. Did it happen to say name. the attendance in there? No, it didn't give an attendance number for the cook. So probably around 4,000, 5,000. Let people. me, I'll tell you what, hang on. Let me look at the result below it because it says. That 3,500 were at the Coliseum the next week. So, thir- so between 3,000, yeah. 4,000, somewhere safe to say. So, Cra- anyway, still crazy ass numbers. The sweet brown sugar uh, thing that made me think of a funny story. Um, I was tag teaming with my training partner, Kevin Charles, and we were we were running around and first getting into the business, probably first year we were running around. And we go and we do a show for Burt Prentice, and uh, we're in Hohenwald, Tennessee. Tennessee. Yep. Just outside of Nashville. Yeah, we have buddies from there. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> I don't think I've ever driven that far out into the country in middle of nowhere in my life. <laughs> you know, it may have looked okay during the day, but at night it looked like we were out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. But we were, at the, we were at a National Guard armory, and it's like, okay, I'm Dan Matthews. This is Kevin Charles. This is my tag team partner and everything, and we're going, all right, okay, cool. You know, so, you know, and Bert makes up a card. You know, he says, okay, here's the card. And then he takes it back there and he puts it on the board or whatever, you know, that's in the back. And we're all looking at the card and we're like, well, I don't see Kevin Charles's name anywhere. You know, and he says, sweet brown sugar. Who the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and we were like, well, I don't see your name anywhere on the card. So I guess you're sweet brown sugar, Kevin. <laughs> You know, and, and you know, it, it it was so funny because we were like, I think uh, Bert finally made it to the back back there to have to have a short talk with us and tell us how he wanted the show to go, basically. You know, and we're kind of, you know, all huddled around that card and everything. And we're like, uh, Bert, who's Sweet Brown Sugar? <laughs> he goes, that's Kevin right there. And we're like, uh, okay. That's news to us. That's news to us. He's never wrestled with Sweet Brown Sugar. And, um, I think he said something to the effect of, um, um, "Bad News Brown" or or somebody. They go, "Oh, they made money. They made thousands of dollars off that money when they were first starting in the business. You should use that name all the time." He never used that name again. (laughs) 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 It was like sweet brown sugar. Who the hell is that? You know. So, but anyway, that's my story about sweet brown sugar. I thought that was pretty funny, though. Well, that's all I got for this week. As we like to end every episode, we like to do Superstar of the Week. So, guys, I ask you, who is your Superstar of the Week? I just got done telling the story. One of you guys go. <laughs> Mike. <laughs> Kevin Owens. Very good. I like it. I like it. Dan? Mark Bravura. Very good. Very good. Huh. Uh, Here's to getting better soon and getting back in the ring, Mark. Yep. Um... Uh, 
Man, I don't know. It's your favorite segment, and you don't even have an answer? Um, um yeah. You pushed this on uh, us. Actually, while I'm thinking about <laughs> it, uh, George says, Superstar Ivelisse for her badass wrestling, those gold tights, and her liking my tweets. So she knows I exist. That's what George <laughs> says. Hmm. I like to give a shout-out to Chris Jarman on the local radio station, uh, 98.1 The Max. He all the time, me and him all the time talk through Facebook, and... Okay. He likes a lot of the funny stuff I post, and well, tell I him to listen to the podcast. Post stuff on his page too. Tell him, tell yeah. him to check out your podcast. He plays him. Holy Diver, you know. Holy Hell Diver. Yeah. I, I, and every time I hear it now, I'm starting to post on his Facebook. Holy Diver, <laughs> <laughs> like all in caps and like D I V A A A A A A A H. Still trying to think of who I want to make my superstar of the week. You know what? Actually, I'm going to go Kenny Omega. Okay. There you go. From New Japan, he uh, he recently won the uh, IWGP or IGWP Intercontinental uh, title. Intercontinental yeah. title, and he. Uh, Did you see the video of him and the Bucks? You know, I got blocked by one of the Bucks on Twitter. Oh, what did you do? <laughs> I didn't do anything. What did you do? I think I once responded. The only time I've mentioned the Young Bucks, um, Sean Radican, who writes for PW Torch, I think. I sent a tweet and I said I'll never be a fan of the Young Bucks. I'm just they're just not my thing. And they saw that and went blocked. One of, no, <laughs> just one of them did. The other one didn't. I guess the other one didn't care. Whatever. Uh, not the best way to get a fan. There was a there was a video clip of uh, it said Good Night Champ and it had Kenny Omega and he he's going he's in a hotel and he comes out to the bathroom and he's looking at his bed and everything and he takes his robe off. And he's got the Intercontinental title, and it's the only thing he's got on. <laughs> Dude, he's, you know, I saw some, I heard someone say that um, Vincent Mann says it takes 18 months to get someone over. Mm-hmm. He 18-minute match, Kenny Omega was over. Oh, yeah. That dude, he's a workhorse. I like it. I love his finisher, man. Have you seen it? Puts the dude on the shoulders. Kind of cradles him up at top and then does a oh, driver. Yeah, yeah. And it, it looks really badass. Uh, he, he's a cradle great, shock. Kind of a, kind of shades of cradle shock yeah. from um I think he calls the it the one winged angel. Motor City machine guns. Yeah. Yeah. But, but Chris Saban. Chris Saban. That's what I'm thinking yeah. about. Uh it. he had a badass match for that intercontinental title. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, that's Kenny Omega's mine. Superstar of the week. Uh, yeah. So Kenny Omega comes out and he's <laughs> got that hair to it. <laughs> had to go triple H in it a little bit. A week oh. Hey, uh, sorry. All right. Yeah, yeah. But but Kenny Omega comes out and he takes his robe off. He's he's wearing nothing but the Intercontinental title. And then he's he's like, oh, I'm gonna sit down. I'm gonna go to sleep. You know, he's like, he's laying in the bed and everything. And he he kind of like looks up and he goes, Night, young bucks. And they kind of look up from underneath the like a bed, I guess, and go and at the camera and go. Night, Kenny. <laughs> and then they go back underneath the bed. And then Kenny kind of lays down for a minute, and it's, this arm comes from under, up underneath the bed, grabs the covers, and pulls them up over Kenny a little bit. <laughs> and, like, pats him down, and then goes back under the bed. It's, it's hilarious. Well, that's, that's going to be it for this week. Uh, be sure you subscribe to this podcast wherever you can. Easiest way is to subscribe on iTunes, and while you're doing that, leave a little five-star review for us. Five-star, in the words of Dustin Starr. Just leave us nice comments and uh, anything we can work on. Thank you for listening, folks. You've been listening to the Oversell Podcast.